Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Creative Control with Beach Comic. Katie Monks and Liz Ball are members of an explosive Toronto-based rock band called Dilly Dally. High school friends, Monks and Ball grew up loving Nirvana, Pixies, Sonic Youth, and Yeah Yeah Yeahs, among others, eventually honing their own chops as guitarists and songwriters and forming Dilly Dally. In the fall of 2015, the band released its critically acclaimed album Soar via the Toronto label Buzz Records, and they've been touring steadily ever since, with forthcoming dates at the Arboretum Festival in Ottawa, on August 17th, and many European and American shows scheduled beginning at the end of August and leading into September and October. Here now to discuss some of these things are Katie Monks and Liz Ball. Uh, hi, Katie. How are you? What's up? Uh, Liz is sleeping, I think, so she isn't here. She's sleeping? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, everything's chill. Okay. We may, we'll <laughs> say hi to Liz. Maybe we'll catch up with Liz some other she, day. She's chilling too hard. Chilling a little too hard. Yeah, she's chilling so hard she's not even part of the thing. All right. Well, that's fine. That's that's totally fine. It's nice to have you on the show. Oh, well, I really like being on things like this. I love talking. Setting the record straight. Me and Liz didn't listen to Nirvana in high school. I don't know. Our bio is very confusing. and <laughs> It all happened so fast. Yes, I, I, I gleaned most of these things from your Facebook bio. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't put that bio up there. I didn't write the bio. Somebody just <laughs> made up facts about your band and pre- is presenting them to the world? No. Um, no, just like things can get twisted, you know? 
I feel like, to be honest, though, I think I have twisted them a little bit. I think there is a reference, and I'm going to ask you about this later because it, it struck me. There's a, a reference to Kurt Cobain, and then there's a reference to the record sounding like Sonic Youth and the Yeah, Yeah, Yes. I've kind of conflated some of those informational tidbits into one factoid that might be wrong. Yeah, I mean, actually, this is interesting. Like, what... It's just weird because Dilly Dally is like, I guess the story of it just goes back a long time and it goes back to when like, I guess a lot of people when they're young are discovering music that isn't, I don't know, what's like handed to you on the radio all the time and you start to kind of like come up with what your own taste in music is and you start listening to full albums and and becoming an artist yourself and whatever. So um, I think things get kind of soupy once you start talking about high school because right now me and Liz are 27-year-olds who live in Toronto and we mostly just listen to our friends' bands now at this point. Yeah, I mean, okay. So here's the line. Let, let's just let's just get this out of the way because I think it's come up uh, it's come up here, and I think we should address it. The line in your band bio on Facebook uh, that caught my attention is this: Both self-taught guitarists, Ball and Monks, also idolized the lackadaisical sorrow of Kurt Cobain, Christopher Owens, who was in a band called Girls, and Pete Doherty, who was in a band called The Libertines, slowly manifesting that admiration into their own band. They called Dilly Dally, and eventually their debut record soar. You want to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to clarify this? Let me just this? jump right in here. Let me just jump right in here. Liz and myself, and all the other girls we used to hang out with, often gravitated towards, you know, sad junky artist boy thing. And so many times, our role models started to let us down, you know, like bands would break up, like a lot of those bands exactly like broke up or like died, you know, like Kurt died or whatever. I mean, like me and Liz never listened to Nirvana in high school. I listened to him when I was young, but for me that was like part of the chain of like, I loved Kurt Cobain and I loved Pete Doherty and all this like very self-destructive, all these self-destructive men. Yeah artist men sensitive sensitive artist men yeah and there was almost like it's it's just interesting to me that i gravitated and so many of my like girlfriends gravitated towards that narrative and i think because a lot of it is like women have maternal instincts and women want to like take care of these sad lost artist junkie Great artist, a great artist, you know, but it's just like this like cathartic, like self-destructive thing. I don't know. And then after a long time of being a fan of rock bands and guitars and seeing all these people who I admired just kind of collapse over and over again and their music, you know, discontinue, it just got to a point, and not to mention like meeting enough of these kinds of people in my real life and dating these kinds of uh -huh, guys. Uh-huh. It just got to a point where it was like, okay, I'm in my early 20s now, 
And me and Liz have our own band. And I think we just stopped putting anyone else on a pedestal. And we started going, okay, life isn't all just a bunch of romance. And, like, you can't save people. And actually, a lot of those people should really fucking own up and get themselves together so that they can put their art out there continuously and have, like, long, healthy careers and relationships with their fans and the output that they have. So, and this was around the time that I started identifying as a feminist and, like, just got a little tired of the whole man-baby thing. So that really is the beginning of Soar, of that record, of of bowing down to nobody and like making our own story and taking care of each other and and trying to help heal people from whatever mental health struggles they might have and empower women and men who feel depressed or whatever i don't know you know it's just like we're we're trying to kind of do that no, I, I think that's a, a great thing to point out that you had some kind of epiphany because because I grew up with Kurt, so to speak, like he was a, I was at an age where Kurt Cobain meant something to me as he was making work. You know, I mean, you're younger than me. You you weren't. And as you say, you got into Nirvana later, but he had this way of caring a lot about not appearing that he cared a lot. Like, he put so much energy into slacking <laughs> that, for better or for worse, I actually feel that influence in my own attitude about a lot of things. But it's 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 something I've had to, to catch because it's kind of nihilistic and it doesn't really help you as a person in the real world. And I feel like that's where you're coming. Like, did that, did his, atti- his attitude resonate no, with you? No, I... For me, it's not an attitude thing at all. It's like an a, a literally like putting your own life in danger thing. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> like, like an actually like like risking your life or like becoming so much of an addict that people don't want to work with you in your band. Right. Like, I don't even know if it's possible for that to exist anymore. Like that old school rock star, you know? Like, is it possible? I, I mean, like. Jesus, I mean, I don't know how how that works, like, in the long term. And I just want music to be my whole life. And I want, I it's just such a misconception that, like, drugs or, like, um, depression or hate or, like, any of that stuff makes you a better artist in the long term well i think we we gravitate towards artists or some of us do anyway who exhibit a form of compassion for a universal lived experience but we do find that so many of them don't seem to have compassion for themselves so to speak yeah yeah i don't know i'm not into that because if you don't have compassion for yourself and the people who love you are kind of left stranded so i guess yeah, maybe it's coming from a place of me being like heartbroken by a lot of people in my life sometimes. But and by the artists. And like I, I think that you do owe something to your fans. I think I think that artists do owe something to their fans to put out another record, to fucking 
get their shit together and to tour and like yeah you owe something to your fans i don't know but you've had this rise with dilly dally where a lot of people have been paying attention to the band uh certainly since i think before the release of the record there was a lot of talk about Meh. the band it felt Not like really <laughs> it, it felt like it it felt like it to me i mean it felt like it to people well, who that's fo- nice. well it felt like it to people who followed the toronto toronto music toronto yeah 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 Yeah, like in canada and in ontario and so it, let's let's hyper target this to toronto in particular sure. like people were talking about the band in toronto and it was exciting and then subsequently you know you've gotten more attention since the record's been out in your own experience uh, being a traveling artist and putting your record out and putting your feelings and expression out, can you see why some artists land in a trap? That, some of the traps we've discussed. Can you see why people would be drawn to, let's say, a darker side or a more nihilistic side? I think if you buy into that narrative, then yes, you're susceptible to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you buy into that narrative, this idea, this romantic idea that talented geniuses are so self-destructive as well and that this that this story is like a beautiful story and it's something to strive for and it will bring you. It doesn't just come with success. It will bring you success. That narrative is a lie. It's an absolute lie. There's so many times if, like, somebody in my band gets, like, stressed out, how are we doing all this stuff without a manager? Like, Dilly doesn't, Dilly Dilly doesn't have a manager right now. And, like, we haven't for a while. And we can get one if we want. But it's just, like, the music industry is, like, created or like created the industry is set up so that you can be a junkie and you can still function Mm -hmm. there's enablers but then you're like blind to like where's all the money going or like how are you being presented how is your music how's your art being presented are you in control or are you not in control right now you know Mm -hmm. and like but most importantly where the hell's all the money going and like (laughs) i don't know i just it's set up in that in this way, which is like great to know that if I ever like just bailed on like all logic, I don't know. The whole thing just creeps me out. It's just sketchy. It's just <laughs> sketchy. It creeps me out. Like I don't understand. I think the reason why it's encouraged is because like labels and like journalism and like the industry, it can just grab another band, you know, after like you've had your heyday. You can just grab another set of fresh kids and then they all get addicted to drugs and then it just keeps the cycle keeps going. Yeah, it's a predatory situation. If you're if you don't have your wits about you, it's easily it's easy to be taken advantage of. Yeah. So I don't know, for me it's just like if you buy into that narrative and you think that that's what that's real, then go for it. But to me it's all like uh just like this painted picture that like is wrong. I mean, I bet you that honestly, ah, like I, I bet like Kurt Cobain must have been smart behind the scenes. He must not have been like, Oh, like all the time. He is smart. People know that he's smart. He must've had a switch. He must've had a switch to be able to turn it off and to turn it on. You know, I think that's fair. I think there was, uh, something calculating there. And I think obviously 
he was I've got a switch. You have a switch? I've got a switch. I can turn it off, I can turn it on. If you don't have that switch, which is what everyone thinks that all the rock stars don't have, all all people everyone thinks that the rock stars just whatever all the time. Like that's fucked. It's not possible. Well, you can't. You need a certain drive and focus to get to a place where you can be obliterated all the time, yeah. so to speak, right? I don't. Un- yeah, I don't understand it. What I do understand is good art, and what everybody understands is good art. And I think that that is and should be at the center of things. But right. it's just so easy for everyone to want to know what's behind it and to like. I don't know, have some kind of escape or fantasy or think that like you can just be like you can just be a fucktard and like just make all the people who love you just like collapse inside themselves like and it's going to be cool. Right. Like not cool. Anyway, I don't know. It sounds like I have a lot of pent up anger about this. It does sound like you have a little bit. Oh, but Jesus. I mean, it's hard, you know, being a lady. I just <laughs> Like, are you, so that's my the, My heart goes out to everybody. I just always try to help all my friends and. <laughs> I don't know why I sound like I'm from Texas right now. <laughs> yeah, well, you, it does seem like you have, you have experienced, <laughs> you, you, you can appreciate the pressure and you've experienced some of the pressure of being an artist, being a woman, trying to make music, trying to work in this industry that's so strange. Yeah, I mean, I don't feel like, I feel like it's awesome and exciting being a woman in this industry. I'm not like, oh, like women in the music industry, like that's rough. I'm like being a woman, that's rough. Being in the music industry and like helping other women feel empowered and like recognize like their own powers and their own rights, like helping that, that's awesome, that's exciting. Well, you've been pretty, com- from based on interviews I've read and, and any other uh, interactions I've heard about you having with other people, like you're, you're very community minded and you're, you're very, uh, you're someone who champions your city of Toronto. Uh, that's my understanding anyway. What's your background in Toronto exactly? How long have you lived there? Um, me and Liz both grew up in the suburbs outside of Toronto in Newmarket. Very bland town. Sorry. This, I remember my mom was like, you know, you should be nice. My mom's Irish. She's, you know, you should be nice there and not be saying bad things about Newmarket. It's your hometown. <laughs> well, mom, I mean, sometimes... Listen, the- Mom, like, you know, you you eat your breakfast and one too many Tim Hortons and then you just, for your high school lunch, you know, and so many Tim Hortons and you just start to go, is this really a town or is this just a bunch of parking lots with... Walmarts and anyway, all I'm trying to say. Sorry, I don't know why I got sidetracked there. Um, I think you got homesick. Uh, I love me a good Timmy's. I'm actually drinking Tim Hortons right now, <laughs> but it's under the table Tim Hortons from the convenience store across the street from this warehouse I'm at in Dupont. Oh, I see. On Dupont. Anyway, anyway, sorry, sidetrack. Uh, Toronto. So yeah, we grew up in suburbs. We always came down to the city to go to concerts and like go like shopping for like you know vintage t-shirts in kensington and i don't know like look at apartments on queen street and be like one day we're gonna start a band we're gonna live in an apartment just like that and like that'll be the dream 
And then we moved to Toronto when we were 19. And we, quote unquote, lived the dream where we just <laughs> hung out for, you know, five years in the city and just played a show every month in a different basement or dive bar or whatever to like a handful of friends. Um, wrote tons of music, jammed all the time, hung out with strangers, made like beautiful close friends, met cool artists, worked in restaurants, partied, but never thought beyond that. We were like, I mean, we always knew we wanted to go to the top and we still do, but it's like, to us, like that was, we were living the dream then too like we thought we were rock stars (laughs) you know and and i I will say that like the part about your life where you moved to the big city and immersed yourself in the culture there and became part of a community that all makes sense given what's gone on with dilly dally but going back to what you were saying about how bland and boring newmarket was do you think it's possible that your upbringing there actually inspired you to drive like gave you the drive to actually you see chaos you, you yeah. see, yes, exactly, because you're bored. Yeah, you see chaos. So in a weird like, way, it was, we, we New Market to, probably um, shaped you. It's just funny, because, like, my dad's from Dublin, so he's just like, oh, my God, I just want to chill in New Market, you know? <laughs> and, like, he doesn't, like, want to see, like, graffiti all over the place or whatever, and, like, he just wants to, like, hang out, watch Simpsons. I want to hang out and watch Simpsons. I want to be there with him right now. You know, but, my, my parents said the same thing. They were raised in Mumbai, like Bombay and Delhi, and those places are very hectic. Like a monkey will steal your cow in in, in Bombay. So you yeah. you want to you know, take like it easy. A, a goat will steal your sheep. I don't know. <laughs> Not a goat. Uh, whatever the predators are there. When I was in, when I was when I was in India, I literally saw a monkey steal a cow. That's why I came up with that example. Cute. Well, yeah, that's cute. Yeah, damn. I mean, seriously. So, but you know, me and the girls, so we all grew up. We grew up with all these cool girls, and we would just go around and like vandalize stuff and be crazy and practice kissing on each other and. I don't know. We just used to do all kinds of stuff. So, <clears throat> yeah, we always just, like, that's why. And maybe that's why we fell in love with all these, like, crazy musicians, too, you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I can see that. It, you, these, like, chaotic <laughs> kind of stories. You like the chaos. You were you were hungry for oh the my chaos. God, you loved it. And they still have that little spark in me that's, like, Fuck it. <laughs> you've got Whatever. the Yeah, you've got the nihilism too. Yeah, I've got that little thing. I've also got though that like love thing where I'm like, oh man. I also like really love my family and I really love my best friends who Liz and I have grown up with here in Toronto or who we grew up with in New York. Or not New York, sorry, uh, Newmarket. And the ones, and our fucking awesome new friends in New York that we have now. But, like, yeah, I just, like, I love so many people. I'm, like, a family person at heart, you know? Like, I, I just want to stay true. Mm-hmm. And I 
and I want to take good care of this band, whatever that means. All right, well that <laughs> that's interesting. That's that's interesting to me. Now you your city, Toronto, has garnered a lot of worldwide attention over certainly over the past five years or so, and I have an idea of some of the exact reasons why, but do you have a take on why people are talking about Toronto more? Because New York is stupid now, and LA is stupid, and Toronto is awesome. Okay, fine, you go. Never mind. What Can you expand on why those two cities are stupid? Because <laughs> they're all biz. You're not the first person to say this, though. And I want to ask you a little bit about Toronto, because one of the things that people are saying about New York is that it's impossible to live there because it's so expensive. I'm hearing the same things from artist friends and music friends in Toronto. They're leaving the city because they can't afford to live there. Have you experienced that? Are you losing friends who are moving away? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, but you know what, though? Toronto, my Toronto, like that proper Toronto that I'm talking about, I'm talking like, 2013 Toronto that Toronto was awesome lived in it for I lived for 500 bucks a month in Kensington above a drug dealer above a bar with some friends and there was like DIY venues all over the place 2013 was tight but it's 2016 Katie what are we going to do? Well, I've been out of here now, so, you know, I tour a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I, so, I don't know. I can't take responsibility. I'm not I'm not content with any of my answers until I hear yours. Yeah, no. I, well, okay. Do you want to hear the things that I think? I of? feel like, I feel like, what is it what they say when I'm like swimming in, uh, or I feel like I'm latching onto air or whatever. I'm scrambling anyway. I don't fucking know. I'm on the inside looking out. I can't talk to anybody about Toronto. Okay, I see what you're saying. First of all, I was in Toronto over the weekend. The construction is crazy. I don't understand what's going on and why it's been a 10-year span of just like, I can't go anywhere in a car in the city without hitting construction. I don't know if you... Get out of the car. Do you think I should get out of the car? Get out of the car. I have kids and a wife. I can't just we can't just I can't just abandon them and get out of the car. Okay, cool. Well, at least it's not as bad as Montreal. That's true. Okay, that's fair. No, we've had. Uh, okay, here's what I think has happened in Toronto: Drake, Rob Ford, fucked up, the Blue Jays and the Raptors. I feel like all of those things have drawn a certain amount of attention to Toronto. Is fucked up that big? Is fucked up really big? I feel like fucked up, and I don't. They might be uncomfortable. I know those guys, but you and you guys have played a long winter, haven't you? Yeah. I feel like something happened. I mean, that's not a fucked up thing, but people from fucked up are involved in it. Just, just feels like yeah, fucked up are big. I think they are big. They're big in like an underground big way, and I think people associate them with the city. And I do think that on some level, they have something to do with how many. This is going to make them all very uncomfortable. But there is a lot of great, angry, noise guitar rock that has come out of what Toronto. What about Mets? Well, that's, I think Mets is after fucked up, and I think that they're connected. I think that there is a connection there. What about Death From Above? Yeah, that goes back a little ways. I would say that's like first wave 21st century of like kind of indie rock in Toronto. Yes, it's there. Fine. 
fine. You're just pointing out other things. But I think the things I've pointed out are better than the things you pointed out. Fine. Not better, but I feel like they're bigger and more. Influential. I wanted to say, I will obviously like Drake is obviously like a huge part of it, but like, I mean, like, was that something I wanted to bring up, Drake, right now? You know, <laughs> Fucking, what, right after I woke up, do I want to talk about Drake? Like I do every single day, every interview. You know, you get asked uh, a lot about Drake in interviews. Is that what happens? Because every from, interview, from every Toronto. interview. Okay, I don't. Well, I'm no, not. We have a Drake. We have a Drake cover. Okay, I don't want to. I don't want to talk about Drake. I just think that Toronto is. You have to agree. But now that you've brought him up, we have to talk about. I don't want to talk about Drake. I'm. Oh, I. This is my own fault. I just mean that something's happening in Toronto. It feels like it's still happening, and I think of those five or six things as being really integral to why all of us are talking so much more about Toronto. Like right now. And your band is sort of maybe part of it. Yeah, Toronto rules. I don't know what to say. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> that's totally fine. That's that's fine. All right, now there's other, there's other things. Oh, you know what else I want to ask you about? Purple Rage. You have a song called Purple Rage on your new yes, record. It made It made me think of Prince and Purple Rain. And yes. even some of the guitar leads remind me of Purple Rain. Is there a connection wow. connection between those two songs? Yes, because that song... I love Purple Rain a lot, like that nice old recorded, that old version, the live one, where it's like those like sexy, like queer looking ladies. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You're like playing the guitar, and it's like the first performance ever, or whatever. You know that little video on the internet? Yeah, yeah, of course. It's oh, Jesus, it. it's beautiful. I love it. And let's see here. Purple Rage was written right after our relationship, a beautiful relationship of mine, was ending. A couple beautiful relationships were ending. Um, and I was actually leaving a lot of my Toronto life behind. Um, my shitty apartment on Ossington, my two cats, my shitty job, um, you know, my beautiful relationship, all this stuff. I was leaving it behind. Mm -hmm. And I felt like electric or something. Like I felt a lot of adrenaline and this intensity and I felt inspired, like so intensely inspired because finally it was all happening. You know, this was, I knew it. I knew it was my moment and our, me and Liz's moment and the band's, it was Dilly Dally's moment. We were going to finish making this record. And I imagined a lot of songs for me are imagery, start with imagery. And I imagined walking out of that shitty apartment on Ossington near Bloor 
with my bags and stuff and just kind of standing in the middle of the street and it wasn't raining purple rain it was dumping purple rain like gushing like so intense like everywhere and it felt so good like perfect temperature rain Hmm. oh my god and it was so good and it's just like this image that i meditated on and wrote that song on and it's about i mean like i guess it felt like a lot of stuff in Toronto had just like built up and built up to this like moment where it's like, I'm ready, you know? And then it just like all came out and it's about channeling anger into something positive. It's about channeling heartbreak into something positive. It's about reinventing yourself through art. I like, like dyed my hair I remember and like totally changed like the way I looked and wanted to change Mm. the way people perceived me and like move forward with this campaign and like just do it and I was just so in the moment it was awesome so that all all of that stems from this one song um that moment is in that song and that's why I'm saying like it's gushing rain because it's like everything all the like powers in like my surroundings are like like just gushing down on me in this like beautiful way and like channeling themselves into this like moment you know i don't know hmm that, that's that's fascinating See, i had no idea sounds I, pretty fucked up well I, like i said i picked up on a obviously there's a titular collection or connection rather like the titles of the songs are similar obviously and like I say I picked up on some guitar stuff maybe you didn't is that crazy that I thought that no but all this stuff kind of just happens you know it's like I don't know like when you turn off your brain that's when the art kind of comes so it's hard for me to like look back and be like yeah like Liz totally like (laughs) thought this is a princey kind of guitar like i don't think so at all you know i think it's just a liz guitar riff to me really yeah i just that's what i heard when i when i was listening there's something to a bit there's something a bit glamorous about it you know a, a glorified rage and does prince mean something to you in particular like you mentioned the performance of, of he's the a song. total diva i love him yeah i love him he's fantastic he's so he's so beautiful and like He's like masculine, feminine at the same time. Not that that matters. Fuck that. Who cares? But anyway, all I mean to say is he's real glamorous and a total diva, and I love him. Mind you, he totally. The one thing I, only thing I really distaste about Prince is in the movie Purple Rain. Mm-hmm. He fully clogs his girlfriend in the face, and there's like no repercussion for it. Yeah, like yeah. she does not give a fuck the next scene. So. That was the one thing I'm like, Prince, don't clog your girlfriend in the face. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of problematic stuff between him and and women, uh, from what I understand. Yeah, he's a little confused there. As I said before, you know, it's like, it's all about the music, really, that matters. Hmm. Now speaking of music, you're you mentioned your parents and and New Market. Your your brother Dave is in Tokyo Police Club, and I'm just curious about what your upbringing together was like in terms of musical interests and and even how you learned to play. Like, was it a familial thing? All I remember is like 
he used to make fun of me for liking the Spice Girls. And I secretly loved the Spice Girls. <laughs> but that was like a big deal for me. That was like, oh man, because I always looked up to my brother. I always just like looked up to him so much. And when he liked Linkin Park and Incubus and all that stuff, I ate it all up, you know? Sure. Incubus. But, yeah, I don't know. Whatever, it happened. It was, <laughs> we were kids, tiny kids. Sure, sure. I'm talking like nine. Right. Okay, cool. Uh, but no, I still love Linkin Park. I mean, come on. So you would kind of yeah. I was never really able to bring him over into the Backstreet Boys Spice Girl realm for whatever reason. <clears throat> being a girl, so I don't know. No, I don't know. Maybe it's not being a girl. I don't know. Anyway, um, I was younger than him too, I guess. So yeah, no, no, no. Sorry, the music thing. Um, yeah, he would just it's just new market. We'd be bored and stuff. He was in a band with his friends, and you know, on Monday, Tuesday nights he'd be bored and puttering around the house on his guitar or bass or whatever and he'd just be like katie come on jam jam with me jam and like keep bugging me and i was like okay i guess i took piano lessons when i was a kid so we had this like beatles chord book mm -hmm. with all the beatles chords in it and um and yeah we i would we would play those songs all the time okay so you did you would Sort of, you just jam and stuff. You would jam as kids. But I was always shy about it. This is like this is like teenage, like 14, mm -hmm. 13, 14 for me. And I was shy about it. Like I would be like, oh, no, he's going to ask me to do it. And I'd be like, no, David, I don't want to. Because I'd be like shy because I thought he was so good and talented. And I, I was like, oh, fun. And he just kept pushing me with it, which actually was really beautiful and awesome, you know. In retrospect. Nice. So there was a... And, and have you conferred with him as your band has gotten... Like his band, Tokyo Police Club, got big and they've been busy and they do a lot of stuff. Like, do you seek his advice or counsel in any way? Only as like an older brother, really. It's more like I seek him out advice as like an older brother. Like, ah, oh, David, like, I'm sad about this thing, you know? Or yeah, like, yeah starts with like the emotions behind something and then like honestly we have to remind each other not to talk about band stuff because we get stressed out for one another or something like we get then we go like we're really protective of each other sometimes we can't like we have to turn that off i don't know like we can't give each other like business advice hell no yeah and I can't ask him for music advice because it, then I just hear it and it sounds like him. Like, so it's, so that stuff is actually pretty disconnected, but what is connected is like us being brother, sister who love each other, who are like friends and there to, you know, be a shoulder to not cry on. I mean, I just mean like, you know, we just have each other's backs, moral support. That's what I mean. So. No, that's that's nice to hear, and that's what I was that's what I was hoping to hear. It would be bad if it was like an ugly situation, you know. Yeah, like as though the singer from Tokyo Police Club has like an ounce of like <laughs> anger in him, you know. <laughs> well, that band seemed kind of angsty when it started. 
Oh no, I'm kidding. He's <laughs> he's he's a he's he's a fiery. No, I don't know Jesus. I mean, he's just like the most lovely, like lovely human being in the whole world. Like I just love him so much. Right. Such a sweetheart. That's all I have to say. <laughs> all right. No, that's fair. Now you're gonna you're <laughs> you're heading to Europe soon. You got a lot of dates. Is that exciting? Is that nerve-wracking? You got to go all, all the way over the sea? I mean, I don't have to. The pilot of the plane does. <laughs> I'm telling you, you're part of the deal. You have to go, too. No, you know, I just have to sit back and watch The Simpsons like I always do. And <laughs> all of a sudden, I'm excited about this one because we're going to our first shows in Dublin. Yeah. Have you, have you been before? Many times. Oh, nice. But I've never played there before. And my parents are flying in. And my whole fucking family is going to be there, you know, like all the aunts and uncles and stuff. Second cousins, twice removed. That's amazing. Whatever. That's going to be amazing. It's going to be insane. <laughs> it's going to be so insane. I'm just going to have like the dorkiest smile on my face all night. And I'm going to be like to the audience like, oh, yeah, like my parents are here. My dad was born in Dublin. And everyone's going to be like, whoa. And I'm going to be like, and my granny and granddad. No, I don't know if my granny and granddad will be there, but we'll see. That's great. Congratulations. That's really fun. You've got a family it's, family reunion because of music. Yeah, it's going to be insane. I'm so excited. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> now, on a, on a less... Potentially less exciting note, you're touring the United States like a month <laughs> before their presidential election. How are you feeling about that? When's the presidential election? November 4th or generally November 4th. I, I can't remember. So if it's, we're going to be in the States then. You'll be in the States a like two, a few a weeks before. Tour. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So no, we'll be in there then. Oh, you'll be there ag as it's happening. Okay. I'm just referencing your tour dates on your site. Okay. So. Oh, those tour dates are wrong. We don't have a manager. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so how are you feeling about that? Anyone looking for Dilly tour dates, just uh, DM us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just send, you'll send them the, the dates directly. So Just text me. What about that, though? Like, the political atmosphere is so crazy, if, for lack of a better term. It's beyond anything we've seen before. How are you feeling about being down there while it's actually going on? Um, I don't know. I guess that sounds pretty terrifying now that you bring it up like that. Yeah, I just wanted to scare you. I'm scared. But also, you know, Canada's all, whoa, what's going on down there? It's scary. But, like, when you're down there, it's like, this shit's real. And it's... Yeah, it's really scary. <laughs> I mean, you're going to be playing rock shows, and, and maybe you won't bear the brunt of what's going on politically but at some level you'll have conversations no. with people and it'll well, be weird okay here's i think what i'm trying to say is like a lot of press and like stuff in canada the way people talk about things it's like less detailed about the american election and it's more like cartoony or something it's more like Whoa, like I guess the way the rest of the world looked at Rob Ford or something, mm -hmm. not to compare because that was like a way less shitty situation comparatively. But then when you're in the States and in a, you know, in one way, like when we were there this, this summer, like I was just blown away by 
um, when like a lot of these like Black Lives Matter protests were happening and the police shootings or whatever that happened at the like the way the media talked about it, the American media to other Americans was fucked. Like it was so fucked up. How so? How, how so? It was like, we now interrupt this program with like a bunch of rich white people talking to each other. You know, this this late night talk show, uh, you know, while I'm in the motel watching TV. We now interrupt this breaking news. Some white cops were killed and mm -hmm. shot mm -hmm. by a black dude at a Black Lives Matter protest. And it's just like, what the fuck? Did they fucking interrupt this white people show for like when all the fucking black people died from cops? Hell no. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Like, is that, was that like important news that everyone must fucking stop and think about and like, no, all that stuff was probably hidden and like had to happen on Facebook on people's news feeds and shit. Like with with like that lady who showed showed it on Facebook Live. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like that's that's you know, it's just so representative of like um how hidden all the dark stuff is. And then like the next day it's like on the radio and everything. It's like, like bringing on all these people to talk about like why like black lives matter is like, like a, a terrible organization that's like violent and all this stuff. And I'm just like, what kind of perspective is this? Whose perspective is this? This is wrong. This is wrong information or like very like one-sided like people. Oh, let's interview this really emotional black lady whose son just died right after he just died and put that on the air and then have like a bunch of like white calm people like talk about why this lady shouldn't be emotional. I don't know. Okay. So anyway, what, okay. What I'm trying to say now at the end of all that to round it up, um, is I'm excited to be there during the election mm -hmm. because I want to know what's happening there. I want to know. I don't want it to all just be this cartoony display from Canada. Whoa, that's crazy. You want an unmediated first-hand account. I want to go there, and I want to be like, wow. You know, I want to feel it. I want to feel the fucked-upness of it because mm. it is fucked up. Yep. All right. Well, I appreciate that, Katie. Uh, uh, this is going to on a totally different tact. You know, you've put out a record uh, almost a year ago now. What's coming up next for Dilly Dally? Are you working on new stuff? Are you playing new stuff? What's what's going on? Oh, man, I'm pretty like bummed out right now. <laughs> all that shit I just that was my brilliant segue out of uh, how horrible it is to the place you're going. You know, the place you're going to is, is not doing very well, but let's brighten it up with some news about new songs or something. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, what Dilly Dally's doing right now is just trying to take best care of the record we put so many years into. Mm -hmm. People are still discovering it, and we're just happy to keep showing it to people. 
as you say, like in Toronto, it felt like there was a lead up to it, but everywhere else there sure wasn't. So I think we want to do that justice. You know, we want to see it through. And as for record number two, it's only in my dreams right now. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. And I appreciate that. You're a new band for so many people that even in your own head, it's good to keep that in mind. Yeah. All right. That's fair. Now, once again, I'm just going to tell people once again, the new album by Dilly Dally is called Soar. It's out now via the Toronto label Buzz Records, and uh, the band is touring soon, including stops at the Arboretum Festival in Ottawa on August 17th. And they have many uh, European and American dates, including a family reunion in Dublin, Ireland, and uh, then a, a little tour through America as it potentially falls apart. All of this begins at the end of August, and then leads into uh, September and October and potentially more. For more information, at least some information, please visit dillydallyband.com or buzzrecords.ca. Uh, Katie, is there a song from Soar that we can go out on right now? Yeah, put on The Touch. The Touch. Now, why did that come to mind? Because that song is about healing. The healing touch. Sure. <laughs> okay, no, that's fair. I, I think that's that's enough of an explanation. This is uh, a song by Dilly Dally called "The Touch." And 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 Katie, I, I thank you so much for being on this program, and, and the best of luck to you going forward. And please send me a postcard from America. I will. It's just gonna have like a picture of like a I don't know dead cat on it or something. <laughs> Sounds, that sounds great. Is it, do I seem like a dead cat from America kind of guy to you? No. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> That's fair. Thanks for being on the show, though. I appreciate it. All right. Much love. Thank you so much.
From their latest album, Soar, that was Toronto's Dilly Dally with a song called The Touch. Thanks to Katie Monks for being on the program. Nice to have you on. And uh, again, you can go see that band when they're playing. Just look up Dilly Dally on the internet and you can figure out accurate dates somehow. Apparently their website is outdated, but everything else is probably up to date. I don't know what to tell you. Follow them on Twitter. Eh, that could be wrong too. Just, you'll figure it out. If you like Dilly Dally, you'll figure it out. So yeah, thanks again to Katie for being on this show, Creative Control with Vish Khanna, which is brought to you by two amazing sponsors, The Bookshelf Cinema and Bar and Bookstore and Restaurant and Rock Club. It's everything. It is an independently owned cultural hub located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph, Ontario, which is a fine city located an hour west of Toronto, right off the 401. So stop on by Guelph and come on over to The Bookshelf and uh, you can learn more about uh, their hours, their listings, their blogs, directions, accessibility, and even how to order books from their online store from anywhere in the world. You can learn about all of that at bookshelf.ca. Also, this show would not be possible in some ways without Pizza Trocadero, Guelph's finest pizzeria. They have a amazing, an amazing array of pizzas custom pizzas you can make your own pizza but they have some gourmet pizzas that are just great and you can learn more about them at trocaderoguelph.ca that's t-r-o-k-a-d-e-r-o-g-u-e-l-p-h.ca they're at 7 municipal street if you're in the area and you can call them if you're in the area for pickup or delivery at 519-829-2444 thank you pizza trocadero thank you to the bookshelf. If you want to learn more about Creative Control with Vishkana, go to vishkana.com. That's V I S H K H A N N A.com. You can go there and figure out how to subscribe to the show, download the show, stream the show via iTunes. You can do so at audioboom.com. Tell your friends, please leave a rating, review it, download it. That helps something, I guess. You can also go to vishkana.com to figure out how to make a flexible monthly donation to our Patreon page. And people do that. Thank you very much for donating to our Patreon page. Helps the show run, frankly, if I might say. So thank you for doing that. Uh, Creative Control of Vishkana is also on Facebook, on Twitter, at Vishcreative. I'm at Vishkana. And a version of this show airs every Wednesday at noon Eastern Standard Time, courtesy of CFRU 93.3 FM in Guelph or around the world at cfru.ca listen as I speak to you it is the middle of August and I am going to take the rest of the month off because I'm going to Ottawa for the Arboretum Festival to host a talk with my friend Andrea Warner about uh, sexism in the music industry and then I'm going to go see some shows at the Arboretum Festival Sloan's playing and Metz is playing Dilly Dally is playing I'm going to go see the Tragically Hip in Ottawa I'm going to go see the Tragically Hip in Kingston and then I'm going to go and just relax so this, as far as I can tell, unless something crazy happens, will be my final episode uh, of the month, and then I'll be back in September with new stuff. That's the plan. You know me, things can change, but that's the plan. So if you don't see anything from me for the rest of August, don't panic. I'm just taking a, a break. I need a vacation from from you, frankly. I'm not. You're fine, but I need a break. So I'm going to take a break. That's it. There's lots of old episodes. Go to vishkana.com. Find us on iTunes, audioboom.com. There's lots of creative control with Vishkana to get through. So uh, 
it made that sound like a chore, but there's just a lot of episodes. And if you're feeling like, oh, I wish I could hear more, go back, listen to them again. Some of them are good. Some of them. All right, that's it for me. Uh, if I don't talk to you before, then have a good summer. Thanks for listening. And I'll talk to you soon. Goodbye for now. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.